This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. Mark Levine is staying with me for Hour 3 today, and I'm glad to have my co-host and partner in crime for Hour 2 every Wednesday. Mark, you with me here? I am. Uh, You know, Mayor de Blasio had a a good explanation of his plan, or at least uh, some of his speech uh, that we can hear. This is courtesy of CBS in New York. I want you to hear what Mayor de Blasio says, because we're going to talk about some of this in this hour and not just in New York City. Uh, Here's Mayor de Blasio from New York. He wants to be the housing mayor. Bill de Blasio committed to build hundreds of thousands of affordable apartments for the poor, the elderly, artists, and veterans in all five boroughs. We risk losing the very soul of this place if it isn't a place for every kind of person. The mayor is saying that by 2024, he wants to see 80,000 new units of affordable housing, 120,000 units preserved, and 160,000 new units of market rate housing. Nothing does more to address income inequality than actually raising people's incomes. The mayor wants Albany to increase the minimum wage in the city to $15 by 2019. That touched off an intense war of words with Governor Cuomo. Cuomo said anything more than 13 was a non-starter. Well, the mayor also wants to launch a new citywide ferry service to connect East River routes to new landings in Astoria, the Rockaway, South Brooklyn, Soundview, and the Lower East Side. The cost, subsidized by the city, will be the same as a bus or subway ride. Launch date set, 2017. Uh, well, I want to talk about this. We have callers joining us, and if you want to, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Now, yesterday... The mayor, uh, Bill de Blasio, used his annual State of the City speech to outline a plan to build hundreds of thousands of new affordable homes in New York City. It's an ambitious proposal, but he hopes it will combat income inequality because this is a part of it. Housing is a huge part of it, and it will change the face of neighborhoods across New York, which is the largest city in the United States. Uh, You heard him say if we do not act and act boldly, New York risks taking on the qualities of a gated community, a place defined by exclusivity rather than opportunity, and we cannot let that happen. Now, let's talk about the uh, plan because it has several sizable ideas before we broaden this because this is a problem that's happening not just in New York but in other cities. It aims to develop 160,000 market rate apartments while also building or preserving 200,000 affordable housing units. It calls for linking far-flung parts of the city with a new ferry service and it hopes to build an entirely new neighborhood atop a much coveted rail yard in Queens. Now it's a controversial plan it has received opposition from the governor just within hours of its inception. Now we know that the mayor is a Democrat. He spoke for more than an hour at Manhattan College yesterday. And he had this laundry list of campaign-style promises that usually dot the state of the city speech. But instead, he really opted to tackle this one big issue, which for New York City is a big issue, and that's housing. He, he linked it to his overarching agenda of narrowing the divide between New York City's rich and poor. And he calls that a tale of two cities. Now, for most New Yorkers, housing costs are their biggest monthly expense. 
Real estate prices are soaring across the city, and many New Yorkers can no longer afford to live in the city, and that's a city they call home. Some of them grew up there. Many of them work there. Now, the housing plan for the mayor is the biggest in the history of New York. It would, for the first time, use mandatory zoning laws that require developers to include some affordable housing units as a condition of construction for all major projects. That process is being studied for six neighborhoods throughout New York. The mayor also signaled a new effort to protect housing for seniors, veterans, and artists. And he also asked the state legislature to strengthen rent regulations that affect monthly payments for the one million rent-regulated apartments in the city. But he's not going to get much help from Albany at the governor's house. His closest ally is Shelley Silva who gave up his powerful assembly speakership the week after being charged with using the power of the office to accept millions of dollars in bribes. But the mayor has fought several bruising fights with the governor, who is a fellow Democrat, over this agenda. And uh, again, we're seeing a pattern uh, that unfolds this year. But let's talk about this. To live within your means, so economists say, you should be spending no more than one-third of your pay on your rent or mortgage. People in New York are spending half or more of their paychecks on rents or mortgages. By the way, Los Angeles is actually less affordable than New York, not not because of rents. Rents are high, lower than New York, but income is lower. The uh, wages are lower in Los Angeles. And why is there less and less housing? Well, in, in New York, you just don't have much more space to build. And in Los Angeles, you don't have enough units for the number of people living there or desire to live there after blizzards like this more and more people move to sunny places like southern california now mark you live in a very expensive area as well uh, washington dc and i know that when i was in london not part of our country obviously in the uk visiting my best friend last august we were walking by a beautiful building that was being built right on the edge of Primrose Hill. Beautiful area, one of my favorite spots, beautiful playground down the street I was taking my kids to uh, within the park. And I said to her, um, "What you know? why do they have this big building in the front and then in the back? And she said, in London, every time you build a new building, a certain percentage has to go uh, for what we would consider Section 8 housing or uh, more affordable housing. So in the front, they'll use the high-end, you know, you know, the high-end, uh, you know, Viking appliances or whatever. And in the back uh, building, they will not do that. They have different views, same address, uh, but they are more affordable, lower-cost units. And the reason London does this is the same reason that the mayor of New York City is proposing this. Now, of course, there are people on the right that feel that the government should not be providing or, or per- pushing for lower cost housing. One of the issues New York has that Los Angeles does, and I think many cities like D.C. and San Francisco have, are a lot of the zoning laws with regard to construction, new construction especially, are old. And, and they're not keeping up with the demographics and, and the salaries and the increases in the rents and the cost of, of building uh, these buildings. Now, Mark, in D.C., you, you have a similar situation, don't you? I mean, they're, you know, it's almost like somebody buys a building, uh, they modernize it, it used to be rent, then you've got to buy it, and anybody who had a chance of being able to afford to even live on that street has to move out. It's almost like cities are pushing lower-income people further out, and where do they go? Yeah, well, D.C. is definitely gentrifying. Uh, obviously, we're nowhere near the problems of New York. We have a lot more room than New Yorkers do and, and a lot fewer people, though it, it is a big city. What's happening in D.C. is basically from west to east, you, you see the city gentrifying. 
used to be 14th Street Northwest was sort of the border between the the more expensive houses and the less expensive houses, and now it's a, that's a good five blocks to the east. So a whole five blocks of the city have moved. Uh, largely that pushes poor people, largely African Americans, out. They tend to go to um, deeper into D.C. across the Anacostia River or to suburban Maryland, Prince George's County, which is east of Anacostia, and so those slums grow while uh, D.C. gentrifies. But, yeah, this is definitely a national issue, and it's occurring all over. Uh, Do you feel that this is a central issue to income inequality? You know, I I find affordable housing one of the most difficult nuts uh, to crack. I I think a lot about a lot of issues, and this one is one of the ones that I actually don't talk a lot about because I have such mixed feelings on it. Let me give you an idea. Uh, I'm... I certainly, I do think, it's both cause and effect, is, 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 is I guess the short answer. Yes, uh, affordable housing is, is a really difficult problem with regard to income inequality, but also income inequality is why we don't have affordable housing. Uh, Bill de Blasio, unabashed liberal, I give him credit for trying to take on what is one of the most difficult, intractable problems in, in, in a city where it's even harder to take on than, say, D.C., and yet I worry that basically what, what, what he's planning to do is build these new homes and, um, you know, provide, and, and I fully support the idea, like you said, London, of taking a, a portion of any new developed homes and requiring it to be affordable housing, but when you build these these Big, these, all these homes, uh, sometimes it's um, being housing projects, and poverty ends up being worse. And uh, I guess my view is that rather than building public housing, that I really I like the idea of Section 8 vouchers. To me, the reason why housing is not affordable is rarely about the housing stock and more about the fact that there's just vast income inequality in America. So I'd rather give uh, lower-income people the money they need and then let them – find the right housing, still keep the market forces, which I think are a lot easier for, uh, you know, in a city of, of, of 20 million people in the metropolitan area, it's much easier for them to decide whether to live in Brooklyn or Queens or New Jersey uh, than to have the government say, all right, all you lower-income people, you live here, all you seniors, you live here. I, I don't like that sort of top-down management. I'd rather give poorer people, either through minimum wage, through rent vouchers, I'd rather let them make the decisions as to where to live but give them the means to do it uh, rather than build a whole bunch of housing and then you get government bureaucracy and sometimes you get corruption. I, I just I'm, I'm, I respect where, where Bill de Blasio wants to go. I really appreciate his vision. I, I'm not sure it's the best strategy. Okay, but, but who – okay, some people talk about responsibility. Whose responsibility is it? Because you know what? If you don't provide affordable housing – you're going to lose some of your labor force. You do risk that gated community that he talks about. And do we really want it to be like, you know, us and them, the us live there? And, and the- that's all over the country. That's all over the world. In fact, in other countries, you go to Mexico, it's far worse than in the United States. Uh, I just came back from South Africa where you truly see gated communities even worse than in Mexico. Um, to me, the model is Europe. If, like you said, London. Um, I'm thinking of the Netherlands. But where... London does do that. London has a requirement right. that if you build a building, a percentage of that building has to be uh, ha- has to be, uh, you know, allotted for, uh, you know, affordable housing and, and I'm fine you know, with for, that. Lower, for lower incomes. 
I'm fine with that. You'll find that's true. The Scandinavian countries and And Germany why do you think that's so different than what de Blasio is doing? I mean, either way it comes from the government. One is the city building it, and the other would be the city mandating whoever is building it. I'd rather require a private developer to do it because I'd rather have uh, different market forces, different areas. That way people... But aren't some people going to say that then the city and the government is infringing upon the ability uh, for that uh, contractor uh, to earn a living and and, and to be able to capitalize on the capitalism of our free society? Sure, but that's no different from any kind of tax or draft or requiring doctors to take care of the poor or requiring lawyers to take indigent patients. To develop and, 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 and again, so people understand, why do you prefer the contractor being mandated by a law, you know, city law, state law, county law, as, as opposed to the city just building more affordable housing units? Because I, I think it leads to more decentralized forces. I'd rather have the contractor, plus I would have rent vouchers. I did mention rent vouchers, but I think when the government... How do rent the- vouchers work for those listening that aren't familiar? Okay, Section 8 is, is the most famous one, and that is a federal one, but basically it allows people to uh, pay for their rent. So in other words, the, the landlord still gets their market price of 800 or 1000 or $2,000 a month, whatever it is, but the person who can demonstrate their lack of income gets a voucher from the government, which costs money, of course, uh, but basically allows them to pay for their rent. What it does is, is it, it, it doesn't have the government top-down say, you 200,000 people, you live here. I'm always a little worried about that kind of centralized planning. Right. I'd much prefer the decentralized idea of give, give people the money they need to afford the rents, require the developers to, to have apartments at a certain rate, Rather than have this top-down, you know, we're, we've seen like Cabrini Green is perhaps the most famous in Chicago, where the government built this huge skyscraper, filled it up with all extremely poor people, and it became the symbol of crime and violence in Chicago. And finally, they, they tore the whole thing down. Cabrini uh, Green, oh, I used to have to drive through there, and honestly, I never stopped for a light. And I had my high beams on, and I I would drive past the speeding limit, I will readily admit. That was a very dangerous area. Who should be responsible for providing more affordable housing? The government? If so, federal, state, or city government? And if not, then who? Or should we have an increase in wages that would, some argue, create growth and that opportunity so people could afford that housing themselves? I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Mark Levine. We're talking about affordable housing and asking who should provide that uh, should it be the government or should the government say to contractors, you have to provide it? Or do you say, no, 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 none of those? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Let's take the calls. How does that sound? Sure. Um, do you have a view on this, Leslie? I didn't quite hear your, your opinion. Um, yeah, quite frankly, I like the way that it's done in London. Uh, so I, I would agree with you. However, if that can't be done, then I do think a city, especially like New York and Los Angeles, where you have more people than you have housing, uh, has to do something about it and, and has to provide that. Um, you know, either way, the taxpayer is paying for it in, in some manner. But I do like what you also said uh, regarding integrating the rich and the poor, if you will, right? That, that's uh, why I like rental vouchers rather than isolating the poor in the Cabrini Greens of the world. Right, right. No, I agree, I agree with you. I mean, there are some places like San Francisco, there's a place called... Um, on, uh, is it called, uh, not Delancey Street, the drug rehab, but it's right next to it. And they're like waterfront property right there on the Embarcadero looking at the Bay Bridge. They're gorgeous. And I'm not trying to be rude. No one would know they're Section 8 because they are maintained so well. And, you know, and, and they're just, they're lovely, but they are Section 8 housing. 
um, which some people got very angry about in San Francisco because of the uh, location that it was prime property, and this would have satisfied you know both. Um, but I do agree with you that you do have a risk of Cabrini Green. I know that when I lived in New York City, I used to live on 19th and 3rd near Gramercy Park, but then I lived on Roosevelt Island. At the time, they were building brand new buildings, but across the street, they had an indoor pool, and that building was well, what they called the welfare building, right? It was Section 8. And it, it, it definitely any crime on the island came from that building. You know what I mean? Rather than the buildings that were being built that I lived in, you know, having one wing that would be certain finishes and certain rent and another that would be more like a rent-controlled affordable housing uh, tower or unit. Uh, we're going to be back. So, in other words, I agree with you. But if that can't be done then I think what de Blasio is planning to do needs to be done. Uh, We're going to be back with my co-host and partner in crime, Mark Levine. And you, when we come back, I promise to take the calls. Don't go away. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Mark Levine. Mark, let's take some uh, calls. It's so funny you say that because somebody on Twitter said, all you do is post questions. Can't you give your opinion? But we post questions on Twitter. I don't think people understand. We are um, correlating what, you know, uh, you know, what's going on. I shouldn't say correlating. We are uh, mimicking. We give our opinion. You just got to listen to the show. <laughs> but that's, that's my point. That's what I said. I give my opinion. Thank you. I, you read my mind. Great minds think alike. I just said that on Twitter. I said, well, I give my opinions on the show. I said I post the questions here so you can call in and, and answer. Uh, exactly. Let's uh, go to uh, the calls. And let's start out with Andrew in Bismarck, North Dakota, on line five. Andrew, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. What's your take on affordable housing and who should pay for it? Um, well... I think that the government should pay for it because um, I feel like um, the government needs to force to to do moral things that they wouldn't necessarily do. And, um, you know, uh, Republicans always talk about how poor people need to earn their way out of poverty. Well, I mean, how are you supposed to earn a good job when you can't afford to pay for a good job? Because, you know, you got to get a degree of some sort of or associates or bachelors to a uh, get a higher paying job in today's world and uh like getting free community college would help some of them get out of uh, poverty i mean people that live in those slums i mean that's all they have so and i mean they have nothing past high school so i mean and they have no hope so i feel like the government should regulate these things because it's the moral thing to do and government should help promote morality so Thank you. I, I, Andrew, I really like what you had to say. I'll tell you, I think sometimes those of us who've grown up middle class or upper middle class forget how, what advantages we have. You know, we grew up in a home. We grew up with supportive yeah. parents. We grew up with parents that uh, paid for our schooling uh, or at least gave us food on the table so we could go to public school. And we had all these advantages to start that other kids who also grew up in America don't have. And, you know, whatever you blame you want to give to parents, it's not the fault of a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, an 8-year-old, what house or lack of a house they grew up in. And I think it's always behooves us to remember how lucky we are, those of us who did grow up with a home, uh, compared to the people that didn't. Yeah, very true. Very true. You know, it makes a difference, too, if, if, you, if, you're, if, if your surroundings, if you wake up in the morning, and you're living in the ghetto, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You, you, ha- you don't feel good about yourself or your circumstances, and you feel that that inevitable nihilism, if you will, 
Um, and, and, hopelessness. And, and, and the hopelessness. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. So, yeah. you know, I, I think this makes not only, you know, boy, you know, the streets look better and it can, you know, contribute to a lower crime rate. It, it It's giving people a chance. We're not yet. Yeah, look, it levels the playing field. And some people might say, well, it's not my responsibility. And, you know, you're you're. You're not, uh, you know, bottom line is, you know, so if you're rich and I'm poor, you know, and your daddy worked hard and you know, I mean, not everybody's born with a silver spoon in their mouth. And we're not, you know, I know a lot of people say, you know, talk about handouts, but what, what do we want? Do we really want more homeless people on the street who then turn many of them to drugs and alcohol in order to cope? Uh, I don't think that's the answer either. Uh, thank uh, you for the, thank you for the call. Real, real quick, Andrew. I just ask people to look at it this way. If you commit murder, or you rape someone, or you you, 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 you do a vicious crime, uh, you're, you're locked up. But you're locked up in a place where you've got food to eat, you've got a roof over your head, you even have decent medical care. Uh, if we're going to do that for our worst, most violent prisoners, shouldn't we give poor people who are struggling to get by at least those minimums, a roof over their head, basic health care, and food to eat? I'm I'm with you on that. Where you sound like such socialist God, forgive us, right? Uh, let's go to uh, Precious in Virginia, line three. Hi, Precious. Good afternoon. How Hi, you doing? How are you? Good, Precious. Do you oh. know? And I that my I had a cat named Precious for 22 years. She before I had my kids, she was my first baby. When I saw your name, it it warmed my heart. The crazy thing is, I love my name because it's not only a name; it's a word. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is, uh, Precious. The, what um, what do you think about this about uh, affordable housing? Um, actually, I have to weigh in on a lot of the topics. I, I think that rich and poor is a state of mind. I actually grew up in New York City, and I actually grew up in Manhattan and the Bronx. Oh, I guess we could call it Harlem and the Bronx. That's how we say it. And I lived in, uh, I guess you could say it would be the ghetto, but I didn't look at it that way because my parents, both my parents, my mom and dad are together. I'm the oldest of six kids. And we had a good upbringing. We, you know, read Encyclopedia Botanica the the whole 15 years of my life. And, you know, I really didn't get to do a lot of the stuff outside that a lot of the kids were getting in trouble doing. But as far as affordable housing, I feel like if my mom and dad, you know, I'm about, I'm in my 30s, my mom and dad 30 years ago were given the opportunity to be able to have a nice home and were afforded the same privileges as people that could afford to pay 160000 20% on a $160,000 home, that I would have had a better upbringing. But I think that overall, the government should basically build these houses up, have certain units that are for low income. I understand everybody's saying they need to make a buck, but I thought it was the law for you to have a certain amount of units that were for low income. And I don't think it brings down the the value of the building. I think that just at the end of the day, everybody should just be able to have the ability to live nice. You got affordable housing, but you have affordable housing in New York City and the Bronx and the projects and the worst parts of Brooklyn and the worst parts of um, Harlem. But I actually been visiting back and forth home and they build up condominiums. But, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people that can't afford those are moving to the Bronx, to the projects, because they can't afford to stay where they were. I actually moved to Virginia because of the simple fact I was staying in a railroad apartment in um, Harlem, and my rent was 780 and I loved it. I had four bedrooms, and I loved it, and I had a good job. I was working for the Department of Labor, and this was at 20-something years old. And I just got, it was a private-owned building, and out of the blue, I just got um, a notice in the mail saying that they were about to raise my rent up to $2,500. 
And I was like, how is that possible? I didn't have any say-so. I didn't have any, I didn't own my apartment. It wasn't a co-op. I didn't know the beginning to how to even go into trying to own an apartment or anything. And my only option was either to move to a poor neighborhood where I didn't want to raise my son at the time, was only eight months old, or to move further south where I can afford to bring him up in a better environment and he still has the luxury of being able to live in a great neighborhood. So I would have stayed in New York if back then they would have had affordable housing in nice neighborhoods. I think that the mayor is trying to do a great thing. I think that his approach may be just a little off a little, but I think with a lot of planning and preparation, if the right people put their heads together, they can get it right. It's just yeah, I, I agree that are with going wrong. Uh, by the way, I really appreciate your sharing all of that, Precious. I yeah, think you the nail yeah, the very, and, and very interesting to hear that perspective. Uh, I, I, but I, I basically agree with you. I, I certainly think Bill de Blasio's heart is in the right place. It's an extremely mm-hmm. difficult problem, and I really appreciate where he's coming from. Um, I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I prefer vouchers and uh, um, basically what, what we talk about, making the developers put a, set aside affordable apartments rather than having a whole building full of, of poor people where you get hopelessness. Exactly. Right? I think the thing is, especially in New York, it's so diverse. I love to walk out of my, you know, out of my subsidized apartment knowing that I'm paying this amount, but knowing that I can, you know, rub shoulders with someone that's, you know, that's possibly about to, they could be my next big break. I can, you know, be a PR person for them. They can give you a job. You never know. The opportunity is always there. And it makes the the living situation a lot more, it, it makes it a lot it, it just to me, it, I just feel like I want to be around like-minded people, and a lot of people that can't afford housing doesn't necessarily mean that they're ignorant or that they're, you know, people that want to commit crimes. I feel like if you take a person, like you said earlier, out of an environment and put them in a better environment, no matter their race, creed, color, they will turn out to be a better person. You have to feed it. That's the whole thing. You put somebody in the ghetto, they're going to the be way, a circumstance of what their environment like. is. You bring up the point, and I guess I won. (laughs) Okay. No, no, no. You bring up one more point that I just want to emphasize, which is that when you have rental vouchers, the lower-income person is still paying something. It may be a small amount. It may be a medium amount. It may be most of it, but they're paying something. I think people value something when they pay a little for it. Even if it's 100 bucks a month, that person worked hard to get that 100 bucks, rather exactly. than just giving them a place for free where they basically can sort of treat it with contempt. And- I, for one... I struggled. I didn't go get on welfare when I had my son. I didn't stop going to school. I didn't, and you know, I, I and, and, and by the way, if you have not noticed, I am an African-American woman, and uh, I am married now, and I, you know, and he's not, you know, I'm not with my son's dad anymore, but we have. I think that the structure is the big point. I think that the fact that if I know that I'm working and I'm only getting paid 550 an hour, but I can take this $100 and be able to pay my rent and still live nice, makes me feel like I spent my last because for most people that hundred dollars for that rent is their last right right no that's no that's uh, no that way. that's true you know there are also choices there are people that'll say well if you can't afford to sit, move in the city you know live in the city then move out that, that that's not always an option especially if a person exactly. doesn't have you know transportation like where I live in Los Angeles it's so spread out if you don't have a car or a license or even have a license but can't afford to buy a car and there's not the public transportation mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, there is in other cities like a Chicago, a New York, a D.C., um, or, Atlanta, or Boston. You know, where you got a metro. 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It, it, you know, how how do you, you know, what do you do? You have no choice but to live in that area. And, you know, there I, I feel there have to, has to be some uh, affordable housing. Then again, I have to say, I'm somebody that's always spent more than I should to live a place. Because many years I was a single professional woman, single alone, living in a city alone. And I would, that's where I put all my money. You know what I mean? That's but where. That was just a lifestyle. Right. That's the lifestyle you chose to live. You can right. afford that. Right. I don't like someone that goes into something that they can't afford and then they want the government to build them out and then they want to house affordable housing because now you done did too much where you, you know, you're trying to, you know. No, I, I understand you're talking about, I, I understand you're speaking to personal responsibility, but you also know that's not, I, I, we all know there's not just one situation, you know, for every group, mm-hmm. right? There are exactly. various situations within that group. Okay, thank you. And thank you thank for the you call. Guys, can we take one more before the break? Okay, okay. Uh, uh, let's go to uh, Michael in the Bronx, line four. Michael, good afternoon. Hello, Leslie, and hello, Mark. Hello, Michael. All right. I think Mayor de Blasio is totally spot on, hit the nail on the head with affordable housing. And this is another one of his reform pledges and um, reform projects, just like he's having reforms um, implemented with the NYPD. Now, believe it or not, there's a connection here because the past two mayors, Giuliani and Bloomberg, and we're talking 20 years total now, well, not only totally siding with uh, police officers and police abuse, but they were also siding with abusive landlords. And there was a law in which no one never knew of, and that is you cannot discriminate against Section 8 tenants. Now, besides landlords having a history of discriminating against Section 8 tenants, there was always situations in the wintertime when there was no heat, no hot water, and as soon as a tenant moves out of a particular building, the landlords are quick to jack up the cost of the rent for the new tenants, and that, too, was illegal. So, yes, we need affordable housing for everybody. And who should pay for it? Someone said the government... Yes, that is true. The taxpaying dollars to pay for it. But then guess what? There are some people that are homeless or have to relocate, and they are working as well. So in a way, they're paying for it, too. Yeah, and when you talk about paying for it, when you talk about paying for it, increasing minimum wage would help those people pay for it. You know, even Governor Cuomo, a Democrat, who is against this that the mayor has proposed, refuses to get into a discussion about raising the minimum wage. He calls anything above 13 bucks an hour a non-starter. Well, I've lived in New York City. We all know, and you know, Michael, living in the Bronx in one of the five boroughs, how mm-hmm. expensive it is to live in New York City. Right. Absolutely. He does support raising and, it, but only to 13. Correct. Not to 15. But can, I give you, I give, can I give you another connection before I go? And this, again, this is just on the history with the past two mayors, and that is that the our landlords were given so much immunity and there was no accountability. If someone was forced out of their residence because of that garbage and they're homeless, and then guess what? There were police officers that are harassing the victims because they're homeless and suspecting them of doing crimes. And, it, and the amount of people were usually people of color, minorities, or who look like um, poor white liberals, if you want to use that term. But, again, there was a systemic pattern going on under the Giuliani and Bloomberg eras. 
Mayor de Blasio is looking to reform that and being a mayor for all New Yorkers, not just some, but all. And I say bravo and hallelujah to Mayor Bill de Blasio. All right, Michael, thank you. Quick break. We'll be back. Mark Levine and I will continue taking your calls at 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Levine Talk. Follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. Uh, Tommy Wagner thinks that Governor Cuomo is smarter than some not wanting to wanting to increase minimum wage above $13 an hour. Remember, Seattle did 15 and the cost of living in Seattle far lower than that of uh, New York. We are back. He's Mark Levine in D.C. I'm Leslie Marshall in Los Angeles. Mark, should we take some more calls? Sure. All right. Let's see who's up next. We go to Charles in Santa Fe, New Mexico on line two. Hey, Charles. Hi. I understand affordable housing. I live in Santa Fe and it's very rich here or very poor. Uh, I live in Barrio area in the west side of Santa Fe. And uh, the uh, rich ones live on uh, the east side on uh, the uh, Rocky. They call them sandwich uh, crypto mountains. And uh, it's very comfortable. Uh, you know, homes up there for millions of dollars. And uh, there was an area here in front of the river, which was Bahio. And all of a sudden, everybody got evicted and condos went up. And I, you know, uh, I, I looked at it and I thought to myself, nice houses, but what happened to the people who were living here for, for decades? You know, I think it was originally uh, put together by HUD. happening in a lot of cities. When I when I lived in Boston, there was an area that's now marked the very gay section, the South End, um, mm. where they had these buildings that were falling apart. And it used to be very dangerous because there were a lot of drug deals that went uh, down in some of these buildings. And the city did something wild. They offered the buildings for a buck a piece, but you had to have a plan on what you were going to do. And a lot, a lot of gay guys seriously bought up these buildings and created condos that were, were very expensive. But what happened is this pushed people out into the streets, into shelters, and then, of course, further out of the city, which hurt a lot of the bleeding liberal hearts that we have there in Boston. Mark, give you the last word on this issue. Uh, You're right that gay people have often been the great gentrifiers, and uh, they they take uh, areas that were poor and make it into nice areas. But you're right. The question is, then, where do those people go? And I'll just stand by my what I said before. Rent vouchers and making a portion of new buildings provide for affordable housing, I think, are the two best ways. Okay, thank you. Love you, buddy. Mark Levine, follow him on Twitter, at Mark Levine Talk. MarkLevineTalk.com and on Facebook. Like him there, Mark Levine Talk. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you to Mark and to Andrew, our great production crew. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the afternoon and evening.